discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give we glory for thy truth and thy mercy sake. We acknowledge your presence, blessed Holy Spirit, because you are here in the midst of us, moving, brooding, hovering. Thank you for your ministries, your ministry. We acknowledge your glorifying ministry. We acknowledge your testifying ministry. We acknowledge your revealing ministry. We acknowledge your prophetic ministry, blessed Holy Spirit. And you are all around us. And we receive from you the engrafted word of God, which is able to save our souls. Father, thank you. Thank you. That the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. The city of the great king. Thank you, Such privilege and such honor you've conferred over us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, the Son of God. Amen. Can you please be seated? Hallelujah. Praise God. This is a real conference because all the pastors are here. It's good to see all of you, men of God. I wish I can mention names, but time will fill us. Praise God. And uh, uh, Pastor Yvonne. When I'm preaching, Pastor Yvonne is around um, happy. Reverend Yvonne. You are Reverend. I have to change my language. Reverend Dr. Yvonne. When I'm preaching and she's sitting in front like this, I get excited. Because she's focused. You can see the way it's going. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as I was meditating and saw myself preaching, I was thinking of Bishop. I didn't even thought of you. <laughs> but it's good to be here, Bishop. We thank God for your life and uh, your love for the Lord, your sincerity, your honesty, your humility, your open-heartedness, and uh, the people you are raising, and all the like-minded pastors who are with you. Hallelujah. God bless all of you. That's how we'll be doing in heaven. Yeah. Bishop will be there. His wife will be there. We'll all be having meetings like this. And we'll be reminiscing such times. You know, hallelujah. You are blessed. But um, today is a first fruit, first fruit conference. All right. So, first fruit conference. How many of you um, were blessed? Last year, 
Praise God. It's amazing. And this is another year. And we trust that God will affirm the truth. Last year's message is like a foundation for this one. Yeah. Because last year I did a lot of exegesis and the yeah, so if you want to understand first fruits in its entirety, yeah. Last year's one was a foundation and we'll build upon. Praise God. Yeah. But of course, there are certain points that I'll still highlight so that um, you can be grounded in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. First fruit. How should I name my message? Should it just be first fruit? Or understanding first fruit? Or the mystery of first fruit? <laughs> At least there's first fruit inside. It does the main thing. <laughs> first fruit. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. So I know generally we understand what first fruit is. Yeah. But um, in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, um, uh, let me explain the two main words that describe first fruit. Uh, in the Hebrew, there are two main words that explains first fruit. They all have their unique uh, distinctions. Yeah. The first word for first fruit in the Hebrew is the word rashith. 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 Leviticus 23 verse 10. Leviticus 23 verse 10. First fruit offering. Rashith. Leviticus 23 verse 10. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye become into the land which I give unto thee, unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Then ye shall bring a sheaf, a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Now the word first fruit here is the word rashith. So you see first fruit different times in the Bible, but they are not all the same. Yeah. But there are two main words I want to explain for first fruit. So this one, the Hebrew for this first fruit you see here is rashith. You shall bring the rashith of your harvest unto the priest. Now rashith actually means beginning. Rashith means beginning. Now it means first in time. First in place, first in order, first in rank. That's Rashith. First in time, first in place, first in order, first in rank. Rashith. And it's the word for beginning. Beginning. Now, what is the first verse in the Bible? Genesis 1 1. How many of you can quote Genesis 1 1? We have to go to Sunday school, right? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In original Hebrew, now in English, there are ten words. In the beginning, God created the heaven. Now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But in the Hebrew, it's seven. In the Hebrew, there's nothing like in the. It's not part of the Hebrew. The Hebrew reads like beginning. Elohim, beginning. All right. Now, the word beginning is Rashith. First fruit. 
the word beginning there is, is the word for first fruit. So the very first word to be used in the Bible is first fruit. <laughs> yeah. So Rashid Elohim, Bara Shamayim. So beginning. And amazing. So when we hear of first fruit, it speaks of beginning, first in time, first in place. That is why the very first offering God ordained in the Bible is first fruit. The very first offering God required of man is first fruit. We'll come to that later, but that's the first. That's the first God required, and that is what Abel responded to. First fruit. Now, the first fruit far, far, far predates the tithe. <laughs> the tithe began in the, in the scriptures with uh, Abraham. Is that not so? But from Adam to Abraham is exactly, from, the, from Adam to when Abraham was born is 2,008 years. And from Adam to the time the law was received, the very day it was received from um, Sinai is 2,537 years. Yes. So, the first fruits predate the tithe by almost 2,000 years. Yeah. Abel, to the time Abraham was grown enough to give tithe to Melchizedek. So, the tithe, the, the first fruit is the beginning of offerings. Is the beginning. The first, the first, God ordained. All right. Now, Rashid has a second meaning. Rashid. Rashid also means the main thing or the principal thing. Rashid. We are talking about the Hebrew meaning of first fruit. Rashid. So, Rashid is the main thing or the principal thing. Say the main thing. Say the principal thing. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 9. Proverbs 4, verse 9. Did I say verse 9? No, verse 7. Verse 7. It says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, for your information, the word principal thing is the word rashith. Rashith. So the word principal principal thing, or the main thing, is Rashid. You can just understand, imagine that. So, he, literally, wisdom is the first fruit. So, the word Rashid is, number one, beginning, first in time, place, other rank. Then it means the main thing, or the principal thing. You know what it means? Of all the offerings in the Bible, first fruit is the most important. First fruit is the most important offering. <laughs> because of the principle of the first. First fruit is the main offering. The, all the rest of offerings are important, but first fruit is the principal thing. <laughs> because Rashid is the principal. So that, that is the principal offering. That is the major offering. So actually, Rashid means first in importance. Rashid, first in importance. The main thing, the principal thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
All right, so the first Hebrew word for first fruit is Rashith. Now, the second is Bikurim. Bikurim. I don't know how you spell it, but try. <laughs> Bikurim. Bikurim. It sounds like Bukum Lion. <laughs> it's Bikurim. <laughs> now, Bikurim actually means a promise to come in the Hebrew. Bikurim is a promise to come. Exodus chapter 23. Exodus 23. Let's see verse 19. The first of the first fruits of the land thou shalt bring in, into the house of the Lord thy God. The first of the first fruits. So the word first fruit here is Bikurim. Bikurim. It's not Rashid, Bikurim. The first of the first fruits thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. So Bikurim actually means a promise to come. Can you say after me, a promise to come? So Bikurim is a promise to come. A promise to come. Can you, can you just think of that? So, the first fruit is not just the Rashith, which is the beginning, it's the Bikurim, a promise to come. You know what it means? Anytime you present your first fruit to God, your first fruit actually activates God's promises. Your first fruit actually becomes an investment to your future. Now, your first fruit is an investment to your future. It secures God's promises and it activates God's promises for your life. It's your first fruit that stores your storehouse. So, Bikurim, a promise to come. A promise to come. So, as you give your first fruit, you're activating God's promise to come. A promise to come. God has many promises for us, but it secures it. It's activated. It's an activation. That's the first fruit. A promise to come. Praise God. A promise to come. It secures your future. It's an investment. Now, look at what happened last year. The economy of Ghana. The economic crisis. I, I, I remember when I got my new car. The car is very fuel efficient. Though it's V8, when I filled it, it was 580 Ghana. Yes. Yes. That was 2021 April. V8. Very fuel efficient. 580 Ghana. Uh, as at last month, <laughs> last month it was thousand five. Yes, times three. Can you imagine? And that is someone's salary. So, if we're a government worker and someone gives you the eight, is it a, a curse or a blessing? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Someone had a V8 and, uh, as a gift, but he wasn't using it. So someone asked him, ah, why don't you use the car? He said, that company, I've parked it in the house. <laughs> I, I've, I've parked the company in the house. <laughs> now look at the economy and what happened. I mean, last year, the first month and the second month, I started talking about the coming economic crisis in most of my messages. Yeah, but you see, those of you who gave your first fruit, you had a ride. <laughs> it was too nice. You never felt it. Yeah. Whilst others were complaining, you were, you, were, you were cool. Except you destroyed the effect of your harvest with wrong confession and with murmuring and complaining. Except you destroyed it by your mouth. But if you were in the mood of praising and thanking God, you will secure your harvest and see the blessings and the benefits of the first fruit. Yeah. The same flood that destroyed the world in the days of Noah lifted up the ark. <laughs> ah, so there was an economic flood. But we were in God's economic ark of safety. The same tension that swept the nation lifted us up on high. And we're just going through, ah, full of joy and uh, rejoicing of the heart. <laughs> the best year ever. And we gave more last year than last two years. Yeah. You know, when I went to Kaswa Church, after preaching, man of God, I, I, I didn't tell you, but I told Bishop, after, after preaching, someone came to tell me that, oh, the first fruit message, when he gave his first fruit, in one month, someone sent him $10,000. $12,000. So I asked him, have you told your pastor? <laughs> I said, have you told Bishop? He said, it's a good testimony. Say it and let's rejoice. <laughs> so a, little, a little salary, but someone just sent him $12,000. That's amazing. Yeah. Someone who is close to me, who lives in London, told me she gave her first fruit to God. And uh, she works in a financial institution in London. And she just began work, started working in November. And her first salary, she gave it to God. That was November. In one month, the biggest financial company in the, the whole UK called her. She never sent any application. She was just there. She said, they called her and said, we, 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 want, we, we need you in our company. We, we are looking for you. And she was shocked. Because this is a Ghanaian who has just gone there. And she just started the work. And she was amazed. So she asked him, how did you hear of me? He said, we need you. And that was the biggest without any application. She never applied. The biggest financial company. And they mentioned the amount of money they were going to give her. And it made nonsense to the former the institution uh, she was in. And when they told her the amount, she, she was amazed. Then she said, she wants more. Then they accepted. They said, whatever you want, we'll give it to you. <laughs> Just gave her first foot to the Lord, and before her next salary, the company had called her. 
because of understanding. Just rejoicing, rejoicing. She was just rejoicing. Hallelujah. So it works. It works. A promise to come, the Bikurim. A promise to come. Yeah. Bishop knows it works. I know some of you have wild testimonies. I mean, after giving my first fruit, I started buying cars for people. It has worked for me. <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> so, amazing. Uh, it activates. I remember last year when I was coming to preach on the first fruit. I, I told you what God told me. It was at dawn, I was sitting on my study, studying and preparing, and I just heard a voice come in the room. He said, You have been challenged to become big. That was a direct rumor. It was more direct for you people. You have been challenged to become big. This year, you are going to become bigger this year. Yeah. Because God cannot fail. His word is sure. A promise to come. A promise to come. First fruit is actually a promise to come. A promise to come. A promise to come. That is why, you know, even though God had prom- given them the promise of the promised land, in the Deuteronomy 6, 10, 11, he told them that that land that flows with milk and honey, I'm going to give you houses you never built. And the houses are going to be filled. You never filled it yourself. And wells you never dug. Olive yards, vineyards you never planted. It's for you. So, such promises for them in the promised land. Yet, When they crossed Jordan to enter the promised land, they had to face Jericho. Jericho had such a gigantic, I mean, wall. Formidable walls. History tells us that there were horse racing on the, on the walls. Horse racing on the walls, you know. And the house, the house was built on the wall. And they, they praised God and the whole world came down. And God said, okay. You are going to conquer many cities. But the first one, Jericho, because of the first, whatever plunder or whatever spoil you get from the city, send it to the house of God. Because every first belongs to God. But after Jericho is conquered, the rest of the nations, whatever you get from them, is yours. So a lot of them obeyed, but one guy disobeyed. You know the story. Because of that, they were disinherited. Now, because of, how can God give a promise? Yet, to every promise, there are principles that activate the promise. Now, when you read the Bible, you have to know God's promises and God's principles. They are there. So, you are wondering why the promise is not coming. Because beneath the promise is the principle. Scripture is filled with principles, promises, then principles that activate the promise. They go together. Just as Paul in Paul's writings, there are indicatives and imperatives. Indicatives telling you who you are in Christ before the imperatives, what you must do. <laughs> they are all mixed uniquely, wonderfully. So, they conquered Jericho. And uh, because of the first fruit, was the principle of violated. A small nation called Ai, they were not even one tribe in Israel could have conquered AI. But the whole nation bowed down and they were defeated. Because they violated the first fruit. 
God said, the first is mine, then the rest of the nations, whatever you get is yours. So although God had given the promise from the days of Abraham, over and over and over, you may think that it's just like they are just enter and take everything. God has taken us. He said, he said, I have even given you the land. He said, I have given. Not I, I will give. I have given. Yet, the promise had to be activated by his principle. That's how it works. Hallelujah. So, Bikurim is a promise to come. You know how it is used in the New Testament? For the next expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature itself was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of he who has subjected it. For the creation shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the liberty of the glory of the sons of God. And we know that the whole world groaneth and travaileth together in pain until now. Not only they, but ourselves also. Romans 8.23 Ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. He used the term, the first fruit of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, we grow in ourselves, waiting for the adoption to which the redemption of our bodies. You know what is the first fruit of the Spirit? The first fruit of the Spirit. The first fruit of the Spirit is what is called the earnest of the Spirit or the pledge of the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, which is the earnest. Verse 13 says, In whom also, in whom ye also trusted, after ye heard the word of truth, which is the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the pledge, King James says, earnest, the pledge of our inheritance, unto the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, First fruit is a promise to come. We have the first fruit of the Spirit. We have the first fruit of the Spirit. You know what it means? The word also means down payment. It's like you've seen a nice shoe in a boutique. You want to buy the shoe, but your money is not up to. They say the shoe is uh, 3,000. <laughs> you know some shoes are more than that. But what you have is uh, 600 Ghana. But you want that shoe because you know that shoe. I'm not saying go and buy a thousand Ghana shoe. Then uh, you go to the shop or the boutique. You make a down payment. They give a receipt, promising that next week I'm coming for it. So they wouldn't sell to any any other person because of the down payment. So next week they expect you to come. You show the receipt. You pay the rest. Then you are gone. When the, when God gave us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was a down payment. Can you imagine? God himself gave us a down payment indicating to us what we are going to have in the future. So the Holy Ghost is a down payment that you'll be raptured. The Holy Ghost is a down payment that you'll enjoy the glories of heaven. The Holy Ghost is a down payment that you are going to receive <laughs> enjoy the Godhood of God and all the unseen eternal blessings. The Holy Ghost. Yeah, the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is the down payment. Promise to come. And that's how the first fruit is. The Bible calls it the first fruit of the Spirit. So when you give your first fruit, you have secured your future. You have secured your future. Hallelujah. Alright. So these are the two definitions. Now in Greek, the word first fruit is Apache. Yeah, Apache means first and best. 
You know, people, people, some people give their first, but it's, it's not best. My first fruit is not just the first, but the best. Apache is first and best. Hallelujah. All right. Now, when I speak of first fruit, you have to understand the principle that governs first fruit. Last year, I mentioned that I spoke of God's preeminence. I said, I quoted what C.S. Lewis said. C.S. Lewis said something very wonderful. He said, if first things are put first, second things are thrown into it. But put second things first, then you will lose both the first and the second things. Now, first fruit actually reveals that God must be first in all. The principle first in all. It's not just money, everything. So, we call it the preeminence of God. It's one of God's attributes. When we say, we speak of God being preeminent, or his preeminence, it means that God is before all, above all, higher than all, and first of all, or first in all. So, God must be given the first place. The Bible tells us concerning Jesus Christ that for by him were all things created, visible and invisible, whether they be dominions, powers, principalities, whether in heaven or on earth, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, Colossians 1.18. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the first place. King James says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Other versions says it, in all things he might have the first place. Now, Jesus must have the first place, not in some things, but in all things. In all things. Now, he must have the first place in your time. The first place in your business. The first place in your marriage. The first place in parenting. The first place in your home. That is the principle of the first fruit. It's giving him the first place. So, when it comes to your home, he must have the first place. When it comes to your marriage, he must have the first place. Now, the preeminence of God states that God can never be second. That is his preeminence. He can never be second. Now, if you make God second, you have not honored and treated him as God. Now, whenever you make God second, you have insulted him. Yeah, because the first has to do with has has to do with lordship. The first deals with lordship. God gave Israel the principle of the first to remind Israel of his lordship in their lives. So everything that was first belonged to him. That is why when you wake up in the morning, the first thing is not to sit down on your computer and uh, do your business work. You've dishonored him. Yeah. If you woke up and you were so sick you couldn't move, will you have done the work? No. So that is why when you wake up, his preeminence, the first place, give the first of your strength to God. You wake up, go somewhere, pray, and study the word. Fill yourself with the word before you go out. Worship him, praise him. You've given him the preeminent place. Give him the first place. When it comes to raising your kids, the first place should be Jesus. Now, it is better for your kids to know about Jesus and even Elijah and Elisha 
than arithmetic and mathematics. The systems of this world are failing systems. You can send them to the best schools, give them wonderful education, and they will, raise, they will, they will grow up to become educational fools. That is why you cannot take your children to any other school, any school. You can't say that this school is ex- excellent, so I, I just want to take, take them there. You are not just educating their mind. Education is trinal, it's tripartite. Real education is spirit, soul, and body. So what is happening in schools is just one-third education. Make sure that the school you send them, hmm, you understand? Yeah, you must make sure because you are raising them for God. Your priority must be Christ before academics. Christ before academics. The formation of Christ in them and you programming their mindset before academics. So it's not just the good school. Oh no. Haven't you seen many people go through better schools yet they become failures, failures in life? Yeah. So the systems of this world are failing systems. Raise them with God. That's why our Sunday school department must be the best. Yeah. Those who teach the Sunday school, full-fledged pastors. That kind of ministry is too holy and too sacred, and God's heart is there. Yeah. God first said, feed the lambs before he said, feed my sheep. The lambs are either new converts or children. Praise God. Yeah. So, God must be first. Yeah. You, you, you want to rent a house, you know that this is your church. Okay. Um... If God is first, you consider first proximity to church. Is that not so? Because you want to be close. Yeah. But for some, their business is the preeminence. <laughs> God must be first. <laughs> yeah. Your life governs around the church. Yeah. Because Christ is in the church. That's the scripture. Because we know who we are. We are in a kingdom different from the kingdom of this world. He must be first in your marriage. First in your marriage. You are a couple, make time to pray. What is called the family altar must be there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. He is first, first. Now, when God is first in all of these things, it's so easy for him to be first in your money. Yeah. When he's first in everything, everything including your money, first. So in Israel, look at what God, 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 you know what God did? I read the Bible and I'm, I'm surprised. God said, any beast that openeth the matrix that first comes out of the womb is his. So the firstborn of the cow is his. The firstborn of the sheep is his. The first, anything first, ox, oxen, donkey is his. The firstborn is his. Then he says, the firstborn of your, your trees, the first, not the firstborn, all right, it's not bad. The first fruits of your trees is his. He said, it's mine. The first of your corn, your dough, your crops is for him. Even your firstborn son. Now, let's read a few verses so that you know that I'm not making it up. All right. Praise God. Shall we read um, Numbers eighteen seventeen? Numbers eighteen seventeen. 
But the firstling of a cow, or the firstling of a sheep, or the firstling of a goat, thou shalt not redeem. It's Numbers 8 17. Sorry. Though it's still first fruit anyway, but. For all the firstborn of the children of Israel are mine. They are mine, both man and beast. On the day that I smote every firstborn in the land of Egypt, I sanctified sanctified them for myself. So in Exodus 4.22, God said, Israel is my firstborn. So Pharaoh was holding God's firstborn. God doesn't joke with the first. Pharaoh was holding God's firstborn. God said, ah, you are holding my firstborn. So God stepped down and slew all the firstborns of Egypt. So he could get his firstborn. <laughs> Hallelujah. Lord, I will not hold your first fruits. <laughs> Nehemiah 10 verse 35. Nehemiah 10 35. And to bring the first fruits of your ground and the first fruits of all the fruits of all trees. Can you imagine? Whether it is peach tree, apple tree, every kind of tree, pomegranate. Why would God do that? The first fruit of all fruits, of all trees, year by year, unto the house of the Lord. Year by year. Hmm. Let's read verse 37. And that we should bring the first fruits of our dough and our offerings. Can you imagine? And the fruit of all manner of trees, of wine, and of oil, everything, of wine and of oil, unto the priest, unto the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithe. So you see, there's a difference. Some churches substitute first fruit for tithe, but there's a, there's a difference. And the tithe of our ground unto the Levite, unto the Levite. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. So everything that is first is for him. First. Even the firstborns were for God. That's why they were redeemed and the Levites had to take their place. Today in the world of all humanity, the church is God's first, first fruit. James 1.18. Of his own will begat he is by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruit among his creatures. Glory to God. So everything that is called first. So God first has, has to do with lordship. God gave Israel his first. The law of the first to remind them of his lordship. He deserves the chief place in our lives. The preeminent place in our lives. Jesus is our Lord. So the first of your strength is for him. The first of your money is for him. The first of everything is for him. Blessed be God. Hallelujah. Now let me show you something um, to give us a base understanding. Matthew 6 verse 10. Matthew 6 verse 10. Something Jesus said. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now this was a prayer, prayer format Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
He said when they pray, they should pray, let thy kingdom come. Why did Jesus tell them to pray for the kingdom to come? The reason is this, because if the kingdom comes, the will of God will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the coming of the kingdom speaks of the will of God being replicated on earth. That means the heavenly life is reproduced, replicated on earth. Let that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now listen to me. In heaven there is no lack. In heaven there is no poverty. In heaven there is no want. In heaven there is no sicknesses. In heaven there is no disease. If you never see Father Abraham walking with, an, with a stick and you meet him on the street of gold and he, Father Abraham says, my son, I'm going to Yahoo Clinic. Which is on the other side of heaven. There are no hospitals in heaven. <laughs> no one gets sick in heaven. Nobody is poor in heaven. There is no lack anywhere. So Jesus said, pray for the kingdom to come. Because when the kingdom comes, the will of God will be, will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus told them to pray. Pray that it will come. That means when he was on earth, it had not come. But Jesus came and he announced the coming of the kingdom. Because his first message was, repent ye therefore. For the kingdom of heaven is coming. Actually, it is arriving. It's coming. It's close. John the Baptist preached first and Jesus preached the same message. John the Baptist preached first and Jesus preached the same message word for word. So preach pastor's message word for word. <laughs> because it's the same stream. Praise God. Now, and Jesus, when he announced the kingdom, he began to, what he did on earth was to illustrate what will happen when the kingdom comes. So Jesus began to heal the sick. Every sick person he was healing. Then he began to feed the hungry. He would multiply bread and feed, feed the hungry. What was he doing? He was showing us a kingdom life. He was casting out devils. And if I, by the spirit of God, cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. So feeding the sick and the hungry and clothing. Jesus was clothing the poor. I don't know whether you've seen it. It's there. The maniac of Gadara. They already had clothes. All of these things were signs to show the kingdom. Praise God. So let that will be done in earth as it is in heaven. No lack. No malice. No hatred. No envy. No jealousy. Heaven is just love. No depression. Heaven is just joy. So if the kingdom comes, you live the heavenly life. You love everyone. You are full of joy, hope, glory. Now, for your information, this prayer, you cannot pray it again now because the kingdom has already come. This is an intertestamental prayer. This prayer, when Jesus died, rose up, ascended, <laughs> the kingdom came. You know how the kingdom came? By the coming of the Holy Ghost. Haven't you read that in, in, in Romans 4, 14 verse 17? For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. The kingdom, kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. And when you are born again, Jesus said, except a man, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In John 3 verse 3 and in verse 6, except a man be born of water and of 
spirit, he cannot what enter into the kingdom of God. So once you are born again, you have come and entered into that kingdom. Praise God. Because we are already, today we are in the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is, is within us. And even the church structure is, now the church structure is also the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, the kingdom, kingdom of heaven is territorial, is visible, is organizational, is, um, yeah, is material. The church structure is part of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God is immaterial, it's within us. So we are in the kingdom, inwardly and outwardly. Praise God. But the question is this if truly you are in the kingdom, he says, Pray for the kingdom to come because if the kingdom comes, his will will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let me ask you, now that you are in the kingdom, you are supposed to be living the heavenly life. You are supposed to be replicating heaven's life on earth. If there is no lack in heaven, there should be no lack in your life. If there is no poverty in heaven, there should be no poverty in your life because you are in the kingdom and he has made us a kingdom of priests we are in the kingdom so actually if truly you are in the kingdom what jesus said they should pray has already come to pass but why are the children of the kingdom not experiencing what the kingdom is supposed to bring because the will of god must must be reproduced in your life so if you are in the kingdom if you are in the kingdom you should be working in love peace joy harmony abundance health divine provision that is a proof that you are in the kingdom but why are the sons of the kingdom not seeing it why because once you are in the kingdom kingdom that's powerful but understand this that even in the kingdom there are keys and mysteries to access what is yours in the kingdom that is what Jesus said in Matthew 13 verse 11 that unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven but unto them it is not given. So there are mysteries once the mysteries of the kingdom is unveiled to you the kingdom will usher you to extraordinary success and supernatural abundance. Praise God. Oh I'm in the kingdom I'm in the kingdom. Nothing shows you are in the kingdom. You say you are in the kingdom you should be feeding others by now. You should be feeding others by now. Yeah. Instead of looking for someone to feed you, you should be feeding others by now. But it's not too late. <laughs> because a year by this time, Kopa Kataye, Meko Katale. You are restoring the desolations of many generations. And building the old waste cities a year by this time because the principles works yeah the promises are there many know the promises but few know the principles that activate the promises so we are in the kingdom but we are not seeing it now jesus said something he says take no thought for your life what you shall eat and what you shall drink not for your body what you shall be clothed put on it's not the life more than meat or the body more than raiment Behold the fowls of the air. When Jesus said, take no thought, the Greek actually says, don't worry about what you will eat and what you will wear. Don't, take no thought is the word for worry. Don't worry. 
Then he said, after all these things do the nations of the world seek after. But for you, seek ye first the kingdom. Do you have the message translation here? Seek ye first, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You will find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Praise God. There's, there, there is a version that says that, I think it's not message, that says that um, seek the kingdom of God and the right ways of doing things and you will not have to fuss about any of these things. <laughs> Which version? NLT. Alright. NLT. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Let's go to passion. So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceed from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. That the meaning of seeking first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, all the right ways of accessing the principles of the kingdom. The principles that governs how the kingdom operates. Uh-huh. So he said, don't get worried. Just know the kingdom and how it operates. It's the right ways of doing things. And he gave it to us. And I've been saying it over and over. He gave it to us. When it comes to supernatural finance and abundance, there are five of them. There are five of them. The first is the first fruit. The second is the tithe. The third is seed sowing. The fourth is free will offerings. The fifth is almsgiving. You should know it. Yeah. The first fruit is what I'm teaching on, and you also not know about the tithe. The free will offerings is what you bring on Sunday. Yeah. And you, you know about seed sowing. Then almsgiving is what you give to the poor. What you give to the poor. Each of these, they have their own blessings, actually. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, how I pray that. My. By December, your neighbors will say, why are you so blessed? Because you are living on earth how heaven is. You are replicating the heavenly life on earth. Because you are not just content with the principle, the promises, but you are activating the promises by the principles. Hallelujah. That is the secret, actually. He said, he said unto you, it is given to know. These are the mysteries. To access abundance, your boss can never give you. Hallelujah. Somebody's tithe this year will go beyond his monthly salary. In Jesus' name. So much that now, your monthly salary, your work would just be your contribution to the society. But your blessing is coming from above. And you are so delighted and content. Because you, you, you know that heaven's resources can never run dry. Praise God. We trust in men. We believe every month they will provide us with our salary. How much more? How much more? The ever faithful one. He will do it. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Yeah, let me explain the first fruits once more. Because last year I explained it. Exodus 23 verse 19. 
and uh, Leviticus 23, verse 10. The first of the first fruits of the land shall thou bring to the house of the Lord. Now, let's read Leviticus 23, verse 10. When you come to the land which I give unto you, you shall reap the harvest thereof. Then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Do you know that first fruit actually is a feast? This verse describes what is called the feast of first fruits. Praise God. So actually, when they take the sheaf from the field and they send it to the house of God, feast it is celebratory. Celebratory. You give the first fruit with joy because it's a feast. Hallelujah. Yeah, you give it with joy. It is celebratory. The Bible calls it the feast of first fruit. It's a feast. And now, what is the first fruit? I remember last year, I, I made three people stand here and I, I illustrated what the first fruit is. Now, these guys were basically farmers. And uh, normally, the, the time of sowing of their seeds is around October, November. Yeah. And the time for the first fruit, first fruit harvest is around uh, May. Sorry, April, March, April. So at that time, the first harvest is the first fruit. And God said, when they take it, normally farmers have what is called a barn. A barn is like a storehouse, which is built on the farm. So all the produce from the field, you get the crops and you put it in a barn as a storage, storehouse. Yeah. And God said that when you take the first harvest, the first fruit, don't send it to the barn, but bring it to the house of God. Praise God. That's what he's saying. Bring it to the priest, to the house of God. That's the first fruit. Praise God. So the life of God is basically the life of faith. So is God caring at all? Now that the first must be put not in the barn, but to the house of God, what are you going to eat? Is God caring enough? Does he care for you? More than you care for yourself. So that's many people are thinking. That's why it takes faith. Yeah. The God who wrote this in his word and told you, is he wicked? He's not wicked. He's the one who died for you. He's the one who gave you this principle so that you don't live for yourself. Because the life that pleases him is a life that is constantly depending on him. Actually, God doesn't even want you to depend on your salary. Every day you are looking at the end of the month. It's not a good life. <laughs> yeah. Israel, eh? God said that I'm taking you to a new land. That land there, eh, um, it says that, that it's not like the land of Egypt. In Egypt, you know how they watered, watered their fields? They watered their farms by irrigation. A certain foot machine they used to water all their farms. But it says that the land you are going is a land of hills and valleys. There's no Nile for irrigation. You have to depend on me for rain to water your farms, which is easier. The Nile is already there. The Nile speaks of natural resources. You need water, whatever water you need, you have to just go and draw from the Nile and water your field. 
But you go to the promised land. When you need water, you have to lift up your eyes to the heavens. From whence cometh your help? Then God will now bring that rain. In the natural, it is more easier to depend on the Nile, which is there 24-7. But God said, the better life I give you, <laughs> uh, you always have to lift up your eyes. Then I'll bring the rain. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brethren, we have left Egypt, where your hope is on the Nile, natural resources. The life that God is pleased with is a life of faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. He wants you to be always depending on him. And he never fails. But many have not gotten to know the realities of living this kind of life. In Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9, look at what he said. Honor the Lord with thy substance. The word substance is the word for wealth, actually. So some version says, honor, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all that increase, look at what happens. The next verse. So shall the bands be filled with plenty. So I said last year that now the first fruits, you don't take it to the barn, you take it to the house of God. So at that time, the barn is empty. Yeah, the barn is, is what we call bank present in present day terms. So you take your first fruit, you don't take it to the bank. You take it to the house of God. Naturally, it is empty. But God says that so shall thy thy bands be filled with plenty. (laughs) And thy presses, because the grapes from the fruit trees, even the grapes, the first, you send it to God, the grapes. But now he says the first of the grapes sent into the house of God. Yet, what are the grapes? He says your presses will gush out with new wine. It's a life of faith. It's marvelous. And God never fails. (laughs) He does that. So these were farmers. So in modern day terms, your first fruit is your first salary. So your first salary is not to be taken to the barn, to the bank, but to the house of God. But you shouldn't go like this. (laughs) Oh, Randy. Hey. Kind of life Christ does. <laughs> How will we eat? What will we eat? No, you need to have, have the word. Get yourself to the word. Yeah. This is God you're talking about. This is God. This is God, oh, Papa God. The one who says that you are the apple of his eye, the people of his eye. You are the most sensitive part of the most sensitive parts of his body. The eye is so sensitive, but the people is the most sensitive part of the eye. He says, you are the apple of my eye. He cares for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, so your first salary is your first fruit. Yeah. You have to give it with joy. Yeah. When, when I met Bishop, we'll, we'll be talking about how we give our first food, how happy we are. We, we just celebrate, Charlie. We are so happy because we know what it gives us. It, it's a realm. Hallelujah. <laughs> then the first food also is a. When you start a job, your first salary is your first food because you have to give him the preeminent place. <laughs> the first is your first food. Or you have increase of salary. The first increase is for the Lord. That's first fruit. And when you are bringing your first fruit, what about the tithe? These are questions people ask. 
No, no, you don't have to give your tithe. First fruit is everything you bring to God. You, you give your tithe the next month. That, that's the kingdom we, we belong to. We, are, we don't belong to the kingdom of this world. This is how the mysteries, this is how you, you live the kingdom life. This, these are the principles. You can be so blessed. Oh, Karama Sunday. And if you are faithful and consistent, you will sit in your room and go like, Oh, Lord, this is true. Oh, Lord, this is so true. Oh, Lord. You wouldn't know whether to lie down, to sit down, to fall down, to... Ah, this is true. Then you go like, you go like, Ah, I wish I knew it earlier. That's what Revelation does. <laughs> I wish I knew it earlier. I wish I had started earlier. Yeah. That's what Revelation does to you. Hallelujah. This, this, this was spoken by Solomon. Is that not so? Proverbs. That means he was practicing it. He, he, he was a practitioner. Because he, he had experienced it. The guy was a great giver. He learned that from his father. And you know the story. Every king will give one block, but he gave thousand. The next time he gave 22,000 bullocks and one 20,000 sheep. Nobody has ever done that. Now think of one 20,000 sheep, even in the modern times. How can you slaughter one 20,000 sheep? One day. It, it, not be, it, it wouldn't be easy for the government of Ghana. You have to employ so many people. One 20,000. So the Bible says that Solomon made silver in Jerusalem like stones. Yeah? He made silver like stones in Jerusalem. The guy was so rich. Up to date, that temple is the most expensive building in humanity. $274 billion. One building. Yeah. And the remnants for the high priest and the priesthood, $10 million. <laughs> One breso. <laughs> yeah. And someone also asked, so first fruit, is this an Old Testament concept? You need to understand the difference between principles and practices. God's principles are eternal, but his practices are dispensational. <laughs> his principles cut across every, 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 every dispensation. They are eternal, but his practices, practices are dispensational. Scholars have given us seven dispensations. Scholars have given us seven dispensations. The dispensation of innocence, Adam before the fall. Dispensation of conscience, when Adam fell. Dispensation of human government, the days of Noah. If you kill someone, you must be killed. Dispensation of promise, the days of Abraham. Dispensation of grace, Christ. Dispensation of the kingdom, when Christ comes back on earth. First fruit never began with Moses. It began with Abel. There was no law. It began with Abel. And Abel gave the first, the first lens, that is animals. First fruit speaks of crops, the first lens, first fruit. He gave it. And I said, 2,008 years, 2,000 years before the tithe, there was first fruit. 
That's how the principle began. Principles. Then in the era, at the time of the law, we see the first fruits explained. Even at the law, God required that every beast, the first, belongs to God. And that's what Abel did when there was no law. So the practices somehow differ in every dispensation. But the principles are the same. Yeah. Paul said, if the first fruit be holy, the lamp also is holy. Romans 11, verse 16. I wish I have time. One day I have time to teach on. Praise God. And uh, the New Testament church. Acts 1, 2, 3, 4. We see the first given in Acts 4. <laughs> and uh, we see the first name that was mentioned was Barnabas. But he wasn't called Barnabas, he was called Joseph. And those people, they went to sell their land and they brought 100%. Not 50%, 100% at Apostles' feet. They sold at Apostles' feet. Because of the persecution of the era and the, the system of their job and the things they went through, we need time to teach on those dynamics. Uh, the kind of community they had. Because a lot of them were always on, on the go. But he brought... Barnabas was a Levite. The Bible tells us he was a Levite. But in the Old Testament, it, it was a Levite who received the first fruit. But now, he sold everything he had and he gave 100% of what he had and placed it under the apostles' feet. It, it may not be literal. Apostles' feet means brought it under the subjection or the, gov- the governance of the apostles. But the Levite in the old regime, they were those who were to take tithe. Now, in the new regime, the, Melchized- the Melchizedek priesthood, represented by the apostles, the Levite who represented the Aaronic priesthood, now gives all that he had to the apostles, to the Mel- Melchizedekian priesthood, telling us that that priesthood now has superiority over the Aaronic priesthood. Praise God. And when he gave, study the story very well. His name was Joseph, but they nicknamed him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And it was said in relationship with his giving. The apostles nicknamed him Barnabas. And the Holy Ghost approved the nickname. And that is what is used in the rest of the Bible. Not even his name, Joseph. So some of the nicknames, some nicknames are very powerful. Why? Because Barnabas gave to the church so much that his giving encouraged the church. His giving encouraged the church that when they saw him, they called him son of encouragement. Great giver. But Ananias and Sapphira, so their story just come after Barnabas giving 100%. They give 50%. Praise God. Do you know that after rapture, when we are raptured, we'll be in heaven for seven years. At that time, there'll be great tribulation on, on earth. Then we'll come back with Jesus to reign on earth for a thousand years. Reign over who? The sheep nations. At that time, there'll be a temple in Jerusalem. 
a very huge temple, which Ezekiel described. And Ezekiel told us of the ordinances in that temple. At that time, when we come out with Christ on earth, first fruit is going to be received. Ezekiel 44. It goes across. So even when we come, not, not from us, we are glorified. But the nations, the people on earth, they will have to give their first fruit in Israel. Praise God. Yeah. So even when we come back, first fruit will be happening. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you can never run away from first fruit. <laughs> even at that time, details are given. Ezekiel saw the visionary temple to be a huge temple. Christ will reign in that temple. All right. Genesis chapter 4. Show you something briefly here. Verse 3. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. The next verse. And Abel, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offerings. Now, let's go back to verse 3. The Bible says, in the process, process of time. The word process of time in the Hebrew is in the end of days. Now, in the Hebrew, the word process of time speaks of the, clo- the closing of an era and the beginning, the beginning of another era. Aha. Uh-huh. So, it's speaking of the end, when a year ends and another year opens up. Praise God. Yeah, that's the word. Because the first fruit is always at the beginning. Yeah. So, Cain, the Bible says Cain gave an offering. I asked the question, why, was, why did God accept um, Abel's offering and rejected Cain's offering? Simple. The reason is this. Abel, Abel gave first fruits, but Cain gave an offering. That's it. And what God required at that time was not an offering. It was first fruits. You know why. The next verse is that, yes, in Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock. How do I know? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, in the which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of his gift. Now, so the Bible says, by faith, he offered. What is faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That means God had already spoken. You can't have faith until you have heard God's word. So God had already spoken the kind of offering they should give. So his offering was excellent because he acted by faith, responded to what God has said. Because faith presupposes a previous revelation. But Abel, instead of giving first fruit, gave an offering. Because when the year begins, God is honored with the first fruit. <laughs> with the first fruit. He gave first fruit, the first lens of his animals, but he gave offering. You know the difference? The Bible says, Abel, he also brought the first lens of his flock and 
the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. Now, the word respect here actually in the Hebrew means elevated in rank. It either means elevation or elevated in rank. So, <laughs> Abel, his giving was marvelous. He gave and God elevated him. It is his giving that brought him and enlisted him as part of the Faith Hall of Fame. You read about Abel, the only thing that is recorded about Abel was his offering. He offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Hallelujah. So he's enlisted as one of the Faith Hall of Fame, one of the elders. Elders. He's one of the elders because the elders obtained a good report. Elders. And it was about his offering, his giving. Yeah. He was elevated in rank. <laughs> you know how he gave? The Bible says he gave the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. Let me just give you a rough estimation. Now, let's see. Flock. So, we're talking about cows. We're talking about sheep. We're talking about goats. Let's say Abel had 100 sheep to begin with. 100 goats and 100 cows to begin with. 100 sheep, just an estimation. I believe it was more. 100 sheep, 100 goats, 100 cows. Now, if the sheep, if every sheep give birth to like five, that means there will be 500. Is that not so? The first that comes out of the womb, he'll just mark, mark them, put a mark on it. So if every sheep gave birth to five, now 100 belong to God, so he'll just mark all of them. Then he'll come to the goats. 100 goats. If they give birth, the first ones, you mark all of them. Then cows. If they give birth to five each, the first one that comes out of, out of the womb, he'll, he'll mark all of them. Then after a while, if those ones, if those five, the five he gave, the five that came out of the womb, any of them, the first that comes out of their wombs again, he marks all of them. So the other generations of the first, <laughs> you understand, of the flock, the flock there is plural, plural actually in the Hebrew. So all his animals and their first throughout the year, he marked all of them. So it's not just qualitative offering, quantitative offering. The Bible says, and the fat thereof, the word fat there is the word for best, the best, the richest, the choicest. So for, for, let me give an example. If a, a sheep gives birth and the lamb, the first that comes out is bigger but the second is slim. He doesn't say, oh, let me just exchange it. People do that. So they exchange the slim one for the fat one. They give God a slim and they, they take the fat. Because uh-huh. first fruit is not just first. It's first and best. It's a principle. Now, I can get something first. It's personal. You can send it to God. But for me, if it's not best, I wouldn't send it. I want to accumulate more. <laughs> that is personal. That is my work with the Lord. First and best. Praise God. <laughs> so don't send slim, slim lambs. Twisted leg. Short-sightedness. <laughs> uh-huh, so, uh, so qualitative and quantitative. So you could just imagine what Abel did. So it's, it's, it's a whole lot all the flock, the, the generations of the firstborns, of all of them, he sent it to God. 
an offering that could enlist him to the faith, among the faithful, among the elders. You can just imagine how the presentation was. The quality and the quantity. So he presented and offered all. And God was moved. He was elevated in rank. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's see what God told Cain. The next verse. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was, Cain was angry. His countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wrath? Why is thy countenance fallen? Look at what God said. If thou doest well, now, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? The word doest well, you know what it means in Hebrew. If you retrace your steps and amend your offerings, that's the word doest well. If you, so God was giving him another, another opportunity to give his best. If you retrace your steps and amend your offering, will you also not be elevated in rank? That's the word. Will you not also be elevated in rank? Yeah. He could have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Two hours more. I'll finish before that. I'll finish before that. Because I want to go and chill with my wife. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Second Kings, chapter 4. Second Kings, chapter 4. Verse 42. Second Kings 4, 42. And there came a man from Baal Shalisha. And brought the man of God bread of the first fruits, <laughs> twenty loaves of barley, and full of years of corn in the husk thereof. And he said, Give unto the people that they may eat. The next verse. And his servitor said, What should I, what should I set this before an hundred men? He said again, Give the people that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and shall live thereof. The next verse. So he set it before them, and they did it, and left thereof, according to the word of the Lord. Now let's go back to 42. There came a man from Baal Shalisha. Say Baal Shalisha. There's a reason why the Bible spoke of where the man came from. He came from Baal Shalisha. The first food bread from Baal Shalisha. Now, where is Baal Shalisha? There's a reason the Holy Ghost said Baal Shalisha. Baal Shalisha was the west of Ephraim. The west of Ephraim. Now, in the northern part of Israel, the northern part of Israel, or the northern kingdom of Israel, it was the west of, in the west of Ephraim. Now, understand this, that Israel had been divided into two kingdoms at this time. The southern kingdom and the northern kingdom. In the days of Rehoboam, the nation was split into two. So ten tribes went up north. Was were separated from the two tribes. So Judah and Benjamin formed the southern tribe. The ten tribes formed the northern tribe, the northern kingdom. 
And uh, Jeroboam was a king of the northern kingdom, of the northern kingdom, the tribes. And Rehoboam was a king in Judah for the southern kingdom. Praise God. Now, when Jeroboam became a king, he knew that three times everyone must, every male must go back to Jerusalem for the three feasts of Israel. And he knew that if they go back to Israel, chances are that they may not come back. They may follow Rehoboam. <laughs> so this is what he did. He set up a golden calf and said, people, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. <laughs> Don't go to Jerusalem to worship God. So he was the first to introduce idolatry on that level to Israel. The Bible says he made Israel's son. So they were not going back to the south. They began worshiping idols. And what happened to the priesthood? The priests were in suburbs. There were suburbs for the priesthood, even in the northern kingdom. They were all driven out. So the northern kingdom, there was in the northern kingdom of Israel, there was no priest. All the Levites had gone down to the temple. They were in Judah. But in the up kingdom, no priesthood, no priestly service. And in Leviticus, the first food had to be given to the priest. And there was no, there was no priest there. So this guy from Baal Shalisha, when he had his first fruit, which was 20 loaves, he looked around, there was no priest. This guy could have, could have excused himself and said, ah, it's not my fault. All the priests are gone. Let me spend my first fruit and enjoy myself. Ah, what is life? <laughs> because the priests were ordained to receive. That is the practices. I spoke of principles and practices. That was the ordained practice under the law. So the priest had to receive the first fruit, not the prophet. There was no priest. Yet this man, it's like he's so crazy for God's word. He took his first fruit and said, Ah, I hear a man of God is in town. Elisha is in town. Oh, he's a man of God. He, he represents God. If he represents God, he can receive my first fruit. <laughs> so by revelation, he gathered his first fruit and went and gave it to Elijah. That was how crazy he was. I mean, he loved God and wanted to give God what he had. And when Elijah received it, not knowing that there were some guys who were very hungry. <laughs> but they were hundred. <laughs> and these loaves, Charlie, they can't, they can't, even 20, so small, small, small loaves, even 20, they have to take a little by little. And the server, the one who was serving the food said, oh, this will not suffice them. But because the first fruit is hallowed of God, it multiplied and fed 100 men and there was some left. This is actually is a prophetic foregling of Jesus' feeding of 5,000 with five loaves of bread. Hallelujah. So the first fruit actually multiplied. When you give God your first fruit, it becomes supernatural. The first fruit actually brings multiplication. Because it is hallowed. If, if the first fruit be holy, the lamp also is holy. It is hallowed. It brings multiplication. Abundance. Hallelujah. The Bible says, cast that bread upon the waters and thou shalt find it after many days. 
give a portion to seven and to eight. For thou knowest not what evil shall come upon the earth. Ecclesiastes 11. Before I close, let me show you Ecclesiastes 11. Something wonderful. He says, cast that bread upon the waters. When Solomon quoted this verse, he knew what he was talking about. It was in reference to Israel when they were in Egypt. Now what they did, what they did was that they were more into farming and they fed on the wheat and the barley. So they would go to the river now and they would take seeds and they would just cast the seeds randomly to the Nile. And a rational current would actually carry those seeds to the Delta Nile. And that place is muddy and marshy. So over time, those seeds get planted. And after a while, they, they, they grow. And the, the same Israelites were slaves to go and harvest them. And that's what they fed on. <laughs> so that's what they, how they lived in Egypt. So Solomon said, cast that bread upon the waters. <laughs> Hallelujah. you find it after many days in a very higher way. The next verse. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Economic evil. Economic harassment. Yeah. Economic evil. The next verse. Now he's still talking about giving. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Now he's introducing a law to us. A law to us. The law of sowing and reaping. Now, he's telling us that the law of sowing and reaping, or giving and receiving, works like the law of gravity. That's what he showed us here. If a tree falls towards the south, that's a law is in motion. That's gravity. <laughs> if a, a tree falls t- towards the south, you don't find a tree in the north. Where it fell, that's where it will be. It fell because a law has been precipitated. Gravity is at work. And gravity is constant, it is dynamic, it is spontaneous, it is regulative. He's saying that, why would he talk about giving and talk about this? He's saying that just as gravity cannot fail, giving and receiving is a law which cannot fail. It cannot fail. When you give the true fall to the south, it will be in the south. Look, your prosperity will locate you because you have given. It, it can't be displaced or misplaced. More effectual than gravity. Because sowing and reaping is actually a law of the spirit. Galatians 6. Quickly. My last verse. Then you can go and eat. Or pray. (laughs) Galatians 6. Let's read verse 2. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And let's read verse 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. And someone said, ah, why is the Bible so contradictory? First one, it says, bear ye one another's burden. Now he's saying, he's saying, bear your own, uh, uh, everyone should bear his own burden. Why? <laughs> now, those two words, burdens, are different in the Greek. The first one is, bear ye one another's barrels, which is a, speaks of crushing weights. But this one is, bear ye, every man shall bear his own fortune. So, two different words. Now, bear ye one another, another's burden. That word, that word burden is the word for crushing weight. They cannot carry the kind of weight they are carrying. So, you must go and grant them relief. But this one, he says, in verse 5, he says, every man 
should bear his own burden. And the word burden in verse 5, portion speaks of a, a military backpack. For they go to the military. They, they all have their backpack. Everyone has the responsibility of carrying his own backpack. You can't carry someone's back, back, <laughs> backpack for, 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 for him. Your responsibility is that you must carry it yourself. So, now, that's true, right? Yes, the, the Navy officer is here. Yeah, he, he says that's true. So it's true. <laughs> then the next verse, look at the next verse, verse 6. Verse 6, he says, let him, that's a start. Now he's talking about giving. Verse 5 is in context. Don't take the text out of the context. <laughs> Praise God. A man of God says that if you take the text from the context, you have con. <laughs> Don't let anyone con you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So in the context, he's saying that everyone must bear his own financial burden. Like the soldiers have their backpack. Look, you all have individual responsibility to give. Don't say, oh, he's giving that for me. Oh, uh, it's good for them. Uh, it's, it's. No, you all have your responsibility to give. Yeah. Say, I have my burden. My personal responsibility to give. That's, that's your backpack. It's your responsibility. Yeah. Then he says, let him that is taught in the word communicate, in all, communicate his wealth to him that teacheth all things, all good things. The next verse. The next verse. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, in the Greek, the word deceived, you know what it means? Let me describe it. It's the word for someone who says, oh, this thing, it doesn't work. It's not true. It doesn't work at all. Look, I've even tried it and it's not true. It doesn't work. You think it works? It's a lie. It doesn't work. That's the Greek word for the word deceived. He says, don't be deceived. But in the Greek, it is imperative. The Greek says, stop being deceived. It's in the imperative tense. Stop being deceived. So, if you go like, oh, understand that we are saying, oh, these guys, don't mind them. It was happening in Paul's day. You say, ah, don't mind them. Uh, this thing doesn't work. If you see someone talking like that, do you think it will work for him? No. No. Uh-huh. So he says, stop being deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's a law. The next verse. The next verse. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. So actually, sowing and reaping is a law, a law of the spirit. It's a law of the spirit. He does sweat to his flesh. You know what it means? He's still talking about giving. Check the whole context. What does it mean to sow to your flesh? <laughs> and what does it mean to reap corruption? To sow to the flesh is to give a stingy seed. And when you give a stingy seed, you reap a corrupt harvest. Yeah. God knows what you can give. Because God knows everything you actually everything you have is for him. And now you go and give and you give God a stingy stingy sting. He says you are sowing to your flesh. 
self is born out of selfishness. It is born out of self. You are sowing to your flesh. You know what you reap? When people are given to you, you know how they will give to you? Hmm. They will give to you gradually. They will not give their best to you. Yeah. Listen, it works. For instance, for instance, when I come to church, your offering, give God, a, if you start giving God the nicest offerings, because you have to prepare it. You, don't, you can't just get some money and monk the money. You know, monk The fancy makes it more deeper. Monk you monk the money. You, you understand? <laughs> and you come and dump it. It's an insult. Last week, I read Mary Baxter's book on his heavenly encounter. And she said, she saw that in heaven, every Sunday, angels are flying, especially Sunday afternoons. They are all holding scrolls. They are flying from the earth and they get to heaven. He says, every church service, they come to record everything that happens. Then he, she said, she saw in heaven that the angels record how much you give. Then they record the attitude with which you give. Then they write it down. The attitude. Yeah. They record the preacher, what the preacher preached. Your responses, everything. But the offerings is your attitude. He said the father is interested in that. So they take all to heaven. And in heaven, there is a whole aid that belongs to you. It's like a, how do you call it? Yeah. You have your own files in heaven. Everything belongs to you. Yeah. So they take it and they place it there. Yeah. Jesus was looking into the treasury. It's like, he, yeah, he just wants to see how much you've, you've given and how you gave. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, you, you give and it is a stingy harvest. The offering you are giving, you are coming to give today, does it glorify God? Yeah, does it really glorify God? Yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't just yeah, give. No, sometimes before church in the week, I've been speaking to the Holy. I, I know how much to give actually. And you take the best. When I began giving God the nicest currency, everybody that brings me seed, the currency is nice. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing. It's like nice, 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 nice. Yeah. Even when you're giving a seed to your Father in the Lord, it should be nice. How much more? Yeah. And you have to give well. I'm going to give a car to a man of God. The side mirror is no good. The seat cry. When you go back, it will collapse by itself. <laughs> now, now, do you know the kind of car you're going to rip? You, you, you surely, the Bible says you, you reap corruption. You, st- you, you also get a car. But you spot the car, you take the step, ha, and everything. <laughs> but the Bible says if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap life everlasting. Now, this is not talking about heaven. The word there is the way. 
Uh-huh. Like the Bible says that, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust nor certain riches, but they do good. But in the living God, who giveth all men all things freely to enjoy, that they do good, willing to communicate, ready to distribute, that they may lay upon themselves in store a good foundation against the time to come. Verse 17 of, of, of um, um, First Timothy 6. They may lay a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold. Verse 18. That they may lay, lay hold. Verse 19, rather. That they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, when you give, you lay hold on eternal life. The word is still Zoe. The one way to express God's life is by giving. To express the way. To express, express his love. Express his nature. Express who he, who he is. To reveal it. And you become more established in the life. Is by giving. Praise God. This is a law of the spirit. It never fails. Gravity never fails. Hallelujah. Praise God. You have been challenged to become big. To become big. To become big. And uh, make sure it is a feast of first fruit. Yeah. yeah. Bishop, you spoke to me about feast. So it should be a feast. The Bible speaks of the feast of first fruit. So that, uh, uh, the first Sunday in February must be first, a feast of first fruit. A feast. That means the word feast, feast in Hebrew actually means to dance in circles. The Bible says, He that has a merry heart has a continual feast. So, with joy, joy. It is to God. Oh. Now, if we're to go and give uh, your first fruit to Akufado, as if uh, you are going to, let's say, a very big person. The honor of going to even meet that person and give him that kind of seed is something else. Because you know that, hey, if I give him this, what he can give me? It's amazing. Yesterday, a certain big man needed credit. And I was with someone, and the big man called that the person should send him credit because of where he was. He's a big man. He's a seriously wealthy man. So the guy didn't have... I said, oh, can I do it for you? Can, can, can I? Can, can I? I was so happy. Yeah. Because, hey. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. May we give it with joy. It should be celebratory. And uh, I'm telling you, this year, you have Testimony. Testimony. Then you go beyond yourself. Then you begin to help others. Enough with yourself. Enough with what you can eat and drink. It's not t- time to consider others. Yeah. If you know your calling and the destiny God has for you, there are so many people waiting for your manifestation. There are so many hungry stomachs and families and situations. People are waiting for you to pay their rent. You can't even pay for yours. Arise from the dust. You can't even pay for yours. But people are waiting for you to pay their, their, their rent. You get to heaven, you realize that it was in God's books for you to have paid for their rent. <laughs> it was in God's books for you to have paid for their rent. 
But you must find the divine secret and tap into it and see how it works and functions so you can help and bless your generation. Lift up your voice and just begin to glorify God. Glory to the Son of God. Thank you, Jesus. God can never be sickened. Mama, Shambran, Sunday, Kaka, Shubaba, Kandele, Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, whatever God tells you to do carries a, a, a form of risk. Risk in ministry to do the great things God wants you to do. It, it goes with a kind of risk. You leave your job for full time ministry, risk. Even given is like that. In John chapter 2, There was no wine at the wedding feast. And Mary told Jesus there is no wine. Meanwhile, Jesus is not the organizer of the wedding. It wasn't even his wedding. <laughs> but Jesus said, there is no wine. Mary told Jesus, there is no wine. And Jesus' answer wasn't too encouraging. He said, woman, what have I got to do with thee? <laughs> but Mary told the servant and said, whatever he tells you to do. Mary knew Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. You know what Jesus told them to do? Now, let's go on. And there were set six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing two or three fekins apiece. Now, water pots. The next verse. It was for the purifying of the Jews. Jesus said, fill the water pot with water. And they filled it to the brim. Now understand this. The water that was there was for purification. Do you know what it means? When you go to the feast, the water, there's water at the entrance. It's not drinking water. It's dish water. It's not safe to drink that kind of water. It's for washing of the feet and for the hands. So it's not drinking water. Either dish or feet or death. Then Jesus said, they should, they should use that water. And fill the pot with that kind of water. Hey. So it's risky. The guys really had faith. Huh. The next verse. Huh. Jesus, Jesus said they should fill it to the brim. The next verse. Look at what Jesus said. Draw out now and bear. Go and serve it to the chairman of the wedding reception. That's more riskier. So this unclean water, you know, they carried it straight. It is risky. <laughs> now, now that's, a, that's how to precipitate a divine miracle. Risky. The next verse. Now when, when the, the, the chairman, the governor of the feast tasted it, he tasted it. The Bible says that when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water, that was made wine. And knew not whence it was. Look at look at the parentheses. But the servant knew which but the servant, but the servants which drew the water knew. Do you know why it is put in parentheses? They knew where the water was coming from. 
That's what the Bible says. That <laughs> when he tasted the water, they, where, where did this come from? But the servant knew where it was coming from. They had to keep quiet. The water for washing feet, you say, go and serve it to the governor. <laughs> and when he tasted it, he called the groom and said, began to congratulate him. I said, what have you done? In every wedding, they serve the good and reserve the, the worst at last. But you, you are amazing. Wow. He was commending him for what he knew, he knew nothing about. He knew nothing about it. Commending him. He said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. <laughs> He was receiving all the glory, yeah. And the Bible said in verse 11 that this beginning of miracles, that was his first miracle. It took a great amount of risk. Hallelujah. To follow him, the path of faith is risky. So God may, he may require you to do something crazier. You just have to step into it. You know how they entered into Jordan, how Jordan divided. They didn't stand and they didn't wait for Jordan to divide. No. They were there. It never divided. It, it, it never separated until they had stepped into it and it was overflowing its banks. It was risky. They stepped into it almost like the thing just parted. Jewish authorities informs us that when they were crossing the Red Sea, Nashon was a leader and he was with his horse. He entered the Red Sea. It wasn't dividing. Though Moses had stretched the road. He said he entered and the water came to the nostrils of the horse before the Red Sea parted. Almost like, hey, this time it may not happen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, any attempt to break into the supernatural goes with risk. Whether it is healing the sick or raising the dead, or supernatural abundance. There's some element of risk and God calls that faith. Put down your, your reputation. Just believe God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we are, we are the glorious people of faith. Full of faith because we know he can never fail. Come on, begin to worship and bless and praise him. The Holy Ghost will begin to speak to you. He will speak to you, direct you, and you will know what to do. You will know what to do. To him alone be glory. To him alone be glory. Thank you, Jesus. Bari ingasish mababa kaka sude. Marando shibra akabahole samande. Bekileke soma shambrand kumosende. Thank you, Jesus. Rabre samande. Rabre samande. Lift up your hands and receive grace. Thank you, Jesus. Lift up your hands and receive grace. Father, your grace. That grace that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Let it come upon the churches of love economy. 
In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Graces. Graces. Mama Kaka. The Spirit will witness in your heart. The Spirit will give you witness. You will know what to do supernaturally. Thank you, Jesus. Mama, 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 mama. Thank you, Lord. Finally, I want you to just thank the Lord for the grace to give. The opportunity to be a covenant practitioner. It's a covenant. He never fails. My covenant will I not break or alter the thing which has gone out of my lips. I will not break my covenant. Thank you, Jesus. Mama Shabra Kate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We glorify your honor. We bless your holy name. Now like unto you. You are beautiful, Father. Thank you for the privilege to give. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. The gift beyond telling. The gift indescribable. Thanks be to God for the privilege and opportunity. To him alone be glory. Yes, Lord. Keep praying. Keep thanking God for this glorious opportunity. Yes. For challenging us to become very big. For this glorious opportunity. For this glorious opportunity. Give him glory. 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 Malo hoshe ekaka palora danamai evo lagagana asasimi no dai shegile radana malore de dia babale 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 anzoni mina hagadaba anzoni miga adalabaya falore de nebe sukuna nabai eyo nanalo eyo nanalo eyo nanalo ramalabare kesene meno lobo shadababai evo lora mamalaba madelebe madolobo Ragadabaya, Pelerodolo, Shagadabaya, Medeliba, Manolo, Jigedebe, Maloloba, Malagabaya, Palogodo, Shegedebe, or God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.